All right, and we are live. Welcome to episode 50. Episode 50, that's so crazy, of TLC, Tech Learn Coffee. I am your host, along with Ms. Minakotzi. My name is Lisa Nowakowski. I'm a fifth grade teacher in South Monterey County here in California. And I'm also in California. I'm Nancy, an instructional tech coach, and I am in Northwest LA County. And just a reminder, our format is 15 minutes because ain't nobody got more time than that. So for our coffee fact tonight, many of it, <clears throat> excuse me, many of us know that coffee grounds can be used to fertilize our gardens. But did you know that cats are not fans of coffee grounds? If you need to keep cats away, sprinkle some coffee grounds around and that should do the trick. So tonight's guest is Marlena Heburn. Did I get that right? You did. <laughs> and she will be talking to us about being an educator who also wrote a book. So Marlena, tell us a bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, and tell us also about the book that you wrote with John Carippo, The uh, Edu Protocol Field Guide. So I, I'm, a, I'm a consultant for County Office of Ed in California, and I work with teachers all over the Fresno County, central part of California, integrating technology into their classrooms. And John and I started, we started working together, it's been maybe six years ago now, five or six years ago. And during that time, we, you know, we did a lot of sharing. We were working in our district together and we did a lot of problem solving. And, and we, we just started developing some of these ideas. Some of them John brought to the table, some of them um, were more mine. And over the time, these have just kind of grown and grown and grown. So we decided to write a book about it called The Edgy Protocol Field Guide. Uh, to explain what they were to other teachers so other teachers could use them in their classrooms as well. So the book just, it just came out. It's only been out uh, since, since the Q conference, was, which was mid-March, about March 12th, I think, was its debut day. And so far, uh, it's gotten pretty good uh, reception, and we're, we're really excited about it. Yeah, I'm excited to get my copy. I... Uh... I haven't got it yet, but I am looking forward to it. <laughs> so what was the inspiration behind it? Oh, it's a top trending book, I understand. It's doing, it's doing pretty well. I think it's, it's a very user-friendly book. And so I think teachers are finding that they're having success very quickly with it. And I think when you're a teacher and you're busy, you need stuff that's gonna help you right now, not stuff that you, can, you have to wait to, uh, to be able to use in your classroom. And the inspiration behind it was, was really, I think the inspiration behind it was trying to meet the needs of teachers who are struggling with technology because the tech level skills needed to be able to do edgy protocols are basically Google Slides and Google Docs. And so there, it's not super complicated um, things that you need a lot of background to be able to do. If you can use a Google Doc or use a Google Slide and you're in Google Classroom, you have pretty much everything you need to be able to get started with them. So we were looking for something that could help that teacher that was having a hard time getting into technology, um, but as well as for teachers who use lots of technology and just need some new ways to use it. So I think it, it actually meets a broad range of teachers, but that was our inspiration and that was our goal uh, to accomplish with the book. So kind of low floor, easy entry point for teachers 
um, and still something that you can implement quickly. You know, that's right up our alley here at TLC Ninjas. <laughs> um, so you could just take your book, take a look at it and get going. Right. You know, the saying for, for games, you hear it with games. Um, what do they say? Uh, master it in a minute. No, learn it in a minute, but master it over a lifetime. And that's probably what these are. You can learn them quickly, but then you can spend lots of time just making them really good and needy for the kids. Well, that's great. So there, I'm getting notes here. So it's an Amazon number one bestseller in less than a week. It, it, it's hit a couple of bestseller um, categories and I'm not going to remember them all, I'm sure, but hold on. I think I actually have I have actually have them written here. It depends because these are actually updated hourly. And so if you can catch it when it's in the number one, you know, an hour later, maybe it's dropped down to number five or six or something. But uh, the other day um, when I was looking, it was number one in teacher and student mentoring, education, certification and development, experimental education methods and education assessment. And it was number five in education theory. So that's pretty fun. Then I looked, I looked a couple hours later and it had dropped down. And, and it's well, stuck. we'll go with when you were number one, right? <laughs> That's right. That's good. So <laughs> let me ask you then, the journey from inception to publication, how, can you tell us about that? How did you get started? How did you continue on? What was it like? Well, we ha I, I first came up with this idea to write a book and I, I've never done anything like that before. I didn't even know when I began if I would be able to write a book because it's a big job. And at the beginning, my goal was if I could just get to 100 pages, if I could just get to 100 pages, I would feel successful that I had completed a book. Um, the book ended up being over 250 pages. Um, so we, we actually got beyond just the 100. Not that we were trying to just fill it, but you know that was just kind of a personal goal. Um, so we had the idea and I asked John and he said, he said, I would collaborate with you on that. And at that time, I didn't really know exactly what the book would be. I knew it was going to be about what we were passionate about, which was lesson design, but I, I hadn't really formed the idea of it. And I just sat down and I, I just started writing about what came to mind and how the book began to shape. Then... We had a couple chapters written. Uh, we approached a publisher who uh, took a look at it and said that they would sign on to publish the book, and that was Dave Burgess Consulting Company. And then after that, uh, they give you a deadline, and they say you have uh, seven or eight months to actually write the book. So during that time, I spent pretty much every spare minute I had uh, writing the book, and John and I did our collaboration over Voxer because he's just too busy to stand in one place to actually do the writing. So uh, he would communicate with, to me over Voxer and then I would transcribe his parts into the book. And that was how we used for our method of collaboration. And when the book was done, we turned it into the publisher and then it goes through the cycle of editing on the publisher's end. And they edit the book and then they send it to you to check that they made the edits and then you make more edits. So then they do it again and pretty much they send it back and forth until you say, okay, it's done. I'm happy with it. And then at that point, it becomes published. Wow. So it's kind of like when you have students who are writing papers and they turn it in and the teacher makes notes and you give it back and you rewrite. It's just, it's the same process. So 
when kids say, mm -hmm. why do I have to revise this? Now we have an answer. When yes. you write your book, you'll have practiced that skill. Yes. And you know, I'm, I think I'm a, um, I'm a pretty good writer as far as content, but I don't think that grammar is my strength. And boy, did I learn a lot as it went through the publisher. And I'm like, well, that's how you put that punctuation in there. Um, <laughs> because they would come back and edit my work and say, no, you can't do it that way. It has to be this way. I, I learned a lot. And I think it gave me a, 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 an appreciation for a project-based learning project where I learned a lot about grammar just by having my, my work come back and be edited. Oh, that's an interesting thought. Yeah, and did you master the fearsome semicolon? Because that is the hardest punctuation, I, I think. I like to think I did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you did. <laughs> so let me ask you, I know a lot of other teachers who have great ideas and would possibly be interested in writing a book. How can they get their ideas published or where should they start? Well, I think there's probably... A several routes that teachers could go through uh, when they have great ideas. One is Alice Keeler started with a blog and now she has several books under her belt, but her first, her first attempt was actually a blog and her blog had a good response to it and a lot of readership developed and she uh, created sort of a, a base for publishing a book. I think it really helps to have that base as you go in into the market because someone has to buy it. And if you have people that know who you are and you've been in that Twitter world and, and Google world and whatever, whatever uh, environment that you have where you have exposure to other teachers, whether you're presenting at conferences, that really helps them because people know who you are and then they want to buy your book. Um, the other thing that teachers can do is they can publish themselves. Uh, I actually put in the notes um, a link to Amazon where you can self-publish your book. And I didn't know you could do that, but you can. And then the other thing is to, to approach a publisher and ask them to consider your work for publication. So those are some great ideas. And we will have uh, the links that Marlena mentioned in our show notes. So be sure to check those out if you're listening to this later. Um, so Marlena, what are some pitfalls that educator authors might fall into? And how can we avoid those? I think the biggest one I think that I fell into was, there's a couple, but one of them was organization. It's important if you're going to write something as big as a book to stay very, very organized and to think how you're saving things and citing things as you go along. So images, um, I ran into conflicts with the format because I had some JPEGs and some, um, I forgot, but another format, but the JPEG is what you need because it's a higher quality. So I had to redo some of my images at the end and that was, that was a pain. Um, plagiarism, make sure that you're citing your sources either in text or at the end of the chapter. I made sure that I uh, copied the links to everything so that I could go back and cite them the right way. And I just used uh, like Easy Bib or an online citation machine to be able to cite mine. And it seemed <laughs> like the publisher was okay with that. Um, oh, and permissions. If you're having student pictures, you need to be collecting permissions as you go. So if you're thinking, gee, I do this work and maybe someday I could write a book and you're collecting those images, think of those things as you go so that at the time you get to the point of putting your work out there, you have stuff in the right format. 
Well, that's a really good idea because if I'm teaching a class now and I'm taking pictures and then I want to write my book in three years, those kids are not in my class anymore. Exactly. How do you catch them to get those signatures? Right. So is there a form? Did you have a form or how did you uh, work so, that out? Well, we, we kind of got around that. So I'll tell you in a, in a minute. But what you have to remember when you're collecting permissions from kids, if you're writing a book on your own, your school permission slip is not going to work because that belongs to the school and that's giving the school permission to use those photos. If you're using it in a work that you're going to be promoting and, and possibly selling, you need to have your own permission slip for it. What I did is I ran all of our images through an app called Emma, uh, called Ima Engine, I-M-A-E-N-G-I-N-E, Ima Engine, and I distorted them enough so you could not identify the kids. And, and so I didn't have to get permissions. Because they weren't identifiable. Right. Okay. Is there a link to that in your... Um, I didn't, but I'll add it into the notes when we're done. Okay, perfect. Yeah, because that would be a great idea. Then you don't have to worry about it because I'm sure there are teachers that have wonderful ideas that maybe are listening now and are thinking, oh, I would like to write a book. I can use those pictures that I had from when, you know, when I taught first grade four years ago. And right. now they won't have to worry about getting permission if those kids aren't still in their class or at their school. So that's a great idea. I really, really regret not archiving that kind of documentation when I was in the classroom. And I, I think at the time I had not even ever thought about needing it in the future, but I wish that I had been better at archiving um, projects, pictures of projects, kids working, the things that kids make and do. Oh, that's a great idea. So people can just kind of do it. And that can be a good thing even for later if you're looking for a job, if you have things to mm -hmm. supplement your resume, your portfolio, you can use them for that kind of thing too. It's not just for writing a book. There are a lot of exactly. other ways you could use those. Oh, exactly. that's, a, that's a really good idea. So um, our time is just about up. My timer is going to ring in about 15 seconds here. <laughs> so um, that 15 minutes goes so fast. This was fascinating. Do you have uh, any last thoughts that you would like to um, share with our audience? I that they can get started or anything, whatever comes to mind. I would just say, do, be creative, let yourself experiment, play around with things and be creative. And even if you don't feel creative, allow yourself permission to try things because that is what creativity is, right? Just trying things and seeing how they work. And if they don't work, adjusting them so that they work better. That's terrific. Thank you so much for being our guest. And uh, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a comment to let us know. Um, we don't really have a comment question tonight. So why don't you just tell us uh, if you if you were going to write a book, what would you write it on? Or what was a great idea that you learned from uh, Marlena's book if you've read it? So please join us Monday, April 16th at 7 p.m. Pacific time when our guest will be Lisa Berghoff or Berghoff. She'll tell us how to pronounce her name correctly when she comes on and shares about universal design and learning and tech integration.
And please don't forget to su subscribe to hear more about easy ways for you to innovate in your classroom. Remember, we are always looking for guests to share the great things that they are doing in their classrooms. So if you know someone who fits the bill, or if you'd like to be a guest, please visit tlc.ninja and complete the contact form to let us know. Thank you.